is a strength. Always, right? So, thank you, Lord. I kind of feel already ministered to THC. I'm like, why am I preaching? This is, you know, this is sort of the, the downside of church this morning. Help, Lord. Amen? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and start because my mind is sort of fussy. So this morning I'm going to talk to you uh, uh, about resurrected thinking. And I will quit Marlon with issue with that phrase, resurrected thinking. I want to read uh, the story uh, in Mark 9, uh, verse 2 through 10. Uh, it's the Mount of Transfiguration story. I think I read it a few weeks ago, but this morning I'm going to be talking particularly about the, the, the thinking. It says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Hey, just a little point here. It's, it's when Jesus was baptized uh, in, in Mark's account, it didn't say, This is my beloved son, it said, You are my beloved son. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, God was speaking directly to him who he was, and then towards the end of his ministry, God was speaking to everybody else about who Jesus is. Instead of saying you are, he was speaking to the people who witnessed this is. It's a really powerful thing that we need to really see the Son as someone who's loved and someone who we should fear. Suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should not tell uh, no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And so I believe, uh, number one, I'm going to tell you that the word transfigured is, is, the, is the key word this morning that I wanted to share from this. And it, I believe it's a picture of what the Lord wants to do the body of Christ. He wants to transfigure us. And that word, of course, many of you know this, but just in case you don't, uh, it's uh, in, the, in the original language, it means metamorphosis. It's how the butterfly becomes a butterfly, you know, from being a caterpillar. And so that was a, a pretty quick uh, metamorphosis that Jesus experienced. But that's really what God wants to do. And Romans 12, 2, they, it's the same word. Uh, it says, don't be conformed to this world, be metamorphosized, or be transfigured, or they transformed is the word they use there. It's the same word. Be transformed, be transfigured, become something different by the renewing of your mind. And that's how we become something different. That's how we begin to reflect something different. Is a, there's a something that happens to us in the realm of our thinking, not just necessarily in the realm of our body, in the realm of our thinking change the way you think, your life will change. You'll become a different person. If you really study uh, metamorphosis uh, biologically, uh, it says these uh, creatures like caterpillars and tadpoles and maggots, this is sort of a negative one, but a maggot actually, <laughs> they actually uh, not only change appearance, but they change habits. 
they become something different. They act different. They look different. And that's really what God wants to do uh, for us. And the transform, transformation not only changes us, it enables us to be able to connect with the spiritual world that we were created in, just like a butterfly is able to connect with the air and, and be in the air versus crawling around on the ground like a caterpillar. And that's really what Jesus was trying to reveal here. Um, so that's where the word uh, resurrected thinking comes from. It's, it's just another way of saying be transformed or be transfigured because your thinking is going to be connect into a new source Versus the source that you've always had. And it's interesting that, that what they saw, they could not describe literally what they saw spiritually. So they used human terms. In verse 3 it says, his clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow. And so that's, and, uh, such as no laundry on earth uh, can whiten them. And so that's what happens in the spiritual realm. There's things that, that are or being revealed that you don't have vocabulary for. So you use earthly vocabulary to, to try to describe something spiritual. That's, that's what was happening with them. They were trying to describe something spiritual with natural terms uh, because that's the only terms they could relate it to. Um, and then it says that they came down to the mount, from the mountain. The Lord said, tell no one these things that you've seen till the sun has risen from the dead. That's... That's why after he's risen from the dead, you can have access to resurrected thinking and begin to understand things spiritually and begin to see things spiritually. But before that, he was just saying, don't talk about it because you don't have the ability to even have a conversation about this. Uh, you know, because earthly minds can't grasp spiritual things. That's what the scripture teaches us. And when the church grabs a hold of that one truth and realizes that we have... We don't have the ability to discern even what's going on with our lives apart from God. Then we can begin to change things. And God is looking to change things. He's not looking for us to, to stay the same. Aren't y'all excited about that? And it says in verse 10, they, so they kept this word to themselves. Listen to this. Questioning. This is ridiculous. Questioning what the rising from the dead meant. At that point in time, they had no grid for somebody rising from the dead like that, although there had been people who had risen from the dead. But, so, but see, they knew it wasn't just somebody got raised from the dead because of a miracle. They knew this was something much greater than that. They knew this rising from the dead could have the potential to transform their lives. And that's really what God's wanting to do. You know, we talk a lot about the resurrection power. God really wants us to tap into the power of resurrection, but also the thinking of the resurrection. I think we need to have an emphasis on resurrected thinking. Um, one of the things uh, I believe is, you know, with spiritual, with visions and revelations and dreams, it's more like a hobby to the church. To me, that's how we treat those things, if you believe those things. If you don't believe them, then it's going to even be more difficult. But the church treats these things like a hobby, something we do to kind of entertain ourselves and Versus being a, a dynamic tool that God wants to give the church to be able to function in the world and, and accomplish things. They're not a sideshow. They're not games that the church plays. But yet we've many times we've made them that and we haven't seen the power and the 
potential of dreams from God, revelations from God, visionary experiences from God. Every Christian should be having these on some level and some consistency all the time because this is the way. And you can deny that. You can, in your mind, deny that, that that's not right. But you're denying, you know, the whole New Testament. You're denying the very thing that God gave us as a gift to be able to connect. Uh, so one of the things I want to, oh, you know, we've had a lot of prophetic experiences and not knowing Marlon really hit on it, to understand the times and know what to do. You know, that's why he was praying. Hey, we don't want to just have prophetic experience. We don't want to just have dreams. We don't want to have just visions. We don't want to just have revelations. We want to know what to do. We want to know how to interpret them. We want to know how to apply them and put them to work in our lives and put them into the works and the situations that we're in, right? Are y'all okay? Are y'all tracking with me on this? I, I wish you were. Anyways, I'm just going to uh, show you something now. A little bit, I've just sort of thrown that out. How God used supernatural encounters in the early church to deal with a major problem. Okay? That's what I'm, I'm shifting to that now. And let me tell you what the major problem was. The major problem was racism. The major problem in the Bible and the early church was racism. There was a major issue there. And God used an encounter, a supernatural experience to deal with that major problem. And we have a major problem with racism uh, in the world Amen. because um, it's just there. It's what's the result of the fall. If you look at John 146, uh, Jesus himself was one of the first people in the New Testament that, that suffered from some types some type of racial profiling, okay? Yeah. Uh, in the words of Nathaniel, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good? Because Nazareth was a place where the people there were considered to be less than the rest of the Jewish nation. They, weren't, they didn't measure up. And that's the bias that all the rest of the uh, Hebrews of that day had against people who came from the town of Nazareth. So racial profiling, it's not necessarily in, uh, just the color of your skin, which is, is the one we suffer with a lot, but it also has to do with where you're from, uh, your culture, all those things. A person can be profiled uh, because of, of that. And so Jesus himself was the victim of being, being racially profiled. He was the victim of being culturally profiled. And so we see that one of the, the problems with racism and prejudice is it's a direct, in, a, in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. It's in direct opposition of the kingdom of God. So anytime we see any kind of racial stuff going on, you need to know it is this is in direct opposition of God's kingdom spreading on the earth. And God is not going to, you know, he doesn't really like that. Let's look in uh, Acts 6. Verse 1, this is in the early church days. About six years into the to the church, you know, after the day of Pentecost, about six years later, it says, In those days, when the number of disciples were multiplying, there was a complaint against the he Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were ne 
neglected in the daily distribution. We talk about food. And so, and the Hellenists, they were actually Hebrew people, but they were Greek speaking, and Greek, they were culturalized as Greeks. It would be like a, an American Jewish person going back to Israel and living. Completely different culture, completely different mindset, completely different actions than somebody who was raised there. And so what was happening is these guys felt like they were being discriminated against. Everybody else is getting the food. They're getting all the food for their people. They're leaving us out because we don't fit in. You see that? That was the, the, the problem. There was division there. And so they had this issue, and of course, you know, they, was, they did some things to solve that, but it didn't really solve, it solved the circumstance, but it didn't, didn't solve the heart of what was going on. All right, let's look at Acts. Are y'all all right? Yeah. Let's look at Acts 10, 9 through 16. This is 10 years down the road from Pentecost. 10 years down the road. It says, it's talking about these two guys that were sent from a, Cornelius' house. It says, the next day as they went on their journey, they were looking for Peter, uh, and drew near the city, city. Peter went up on a housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became hungry and wanted to eat. That pretty, sounds pretty spiritual, right? Got hungry. Decided, I don't want to pray no more. I want to eat. Anybody ever felt that way? I mean, <laughs> but while they were making ready, while they were preparing the meal, he fell into a trance. See, you can be, uh, let's just get all the spiritual mumbo-jumbo off, acting all spiritual and praying and all that. Well, this guy was hungry and wanted to eat. That's when the trance came on him. When God came on him, when he was like, I'm done praying, well, is it time to eat yet? And somehow, so you don't have to be acting all spiritual for God to come in your life and do something. And he saw heaven open and an object like a great, an object like a great white sheep bound at four corners, descending to him, and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. He was, a, I mean, he was really sticking to the Jewish laws of, of diet there. And this is ten years after Pentecost, and he was still doing that. You know? Some habits are hard to die. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. That's powerful right now. So that word trance literally means, it means a displacement of the mind. A displacement of the mind. That's what, when you, when you hear that word, the person's using it in a biblical sense, it means a displacement. In other words, this is it. What Peter had to do, he had to get out of his mind to get the mind of God to be able to see something that he couldn't see naturally. He had to get out of his mind. And see, that's what needs to happen to the church. We need to get out of our mind to be able to see something that God is doing. And that's the only way we're going to be able to see it is to get out of our mind. Get out of your mind. You've got to get out, you know, we, this is sort of negative. That guy's out of his mind. Well, that might be a good thing. If he's getting into the mind of Jesus, that might be an awesome thing. 
get out of your mind. Might get in your mind might be the worst thing that could ever happen to you. You know? And so all those hundreds and hundreds of years of dietary laws at that point, in God's eyes, like, kind of went up in smoke. But that really wasn't God's point. It really wasn't God's point. Because right after that, Peter went to Cornelius' house. And in Cornelius' house was a bunch of Gentiles waiting. Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a Roman soldier. And Peter said, God has revealed. He said, I can't come here and be with you guys. That's what he told them, man. Ten years after Pentecost, he was telling a bunch of other people that were not Jewish people, I can't associate with you. I can't fellowship with you. But because God has spoken to me and revealed that no man is unclean, then I can come in here and talk to you. He would have never done it. And the church was like a constipated person. The church was stopped up at that point. It had its glory days back in the day of Pentecost, the first two or three years. But its glory days were over with and they were struggling. They were trying to become something. But they weren't touching the Gentile nations. They weren't reaching out to the Gentile nations. So God used a supernatural encounter. Listen, God used a supernatural encounter to reveal to Peter, Peter, what you're thinking and how you're leading the church is wrong. He could have never figured that out on his own. You've got to know something. I've got a heart for all people. I want to reach everybody. And it's your job to release the church to go into the Gentile world and preach the gospel there and touch those people and not allow these walls of divisions to exist anymore in the church. Sure, it's going to always exist in the world. But we're not of the world. And we've, and, and, and we've, God wants to deal with our prejudice thinking. Okay. Are y'all all right so far? Yeah. So, first I want to say this about being prejudiced. So, okay, one, I've showed you that supernatural, Dreams, visions, revelation of the Lord is a very practical tool that God has given the church, not just to enjoy, we can enjoy it, but it's also to use it. It's used it to solve the problems of the world. It's used it to solve the problems in the church. It's used it, use it to decide direction. Okay, that's the first thing we got to get. And if you're a resistor to this, you need to repent today and ask the Lord to forgive you for resisting Encounters and revelations and dreams and all the supernatural stuff. You could be disappointed in the way that people act with it, but don't be disappointed in a God who's very supernatural and wants to communicate to people supernaturally and give them information and bring them into supernatural encounters. God really wants to bring us into some supernatural encounters, but not just to say for the sake of an encounter. He wants to bring us into an encounter that's going to do something, that's going to change something. So, here's the thing about being prejudiced. Uh, number one, being prejudiced deceives you. Okay? Here's how it deceives you. Uh, most people, most Christians, don't think of themselves as being very prejudiced. Why? Because we don't usually demonstrate our prejudiced thinking towards people. But we're prejudiced in our thinking. You see, that's, that's the problem with the church. The church would say, I'm not precious. We're not precious. We welcome all people, no matter what they look like. 
no matter what race they're from. But in the mind of the church, many times in the mind of people in this room, I promise you, you've got bias in you. I stood up here a few weeks ago and said I wasn't, I didn't have prejudice in me. And the Lord said, yes, you do. I was immediately corrected by the Lord because I, every one of us is raised with a bias. We're raised to believe certain things about certain people, certain cultures. And whether you are conscious or whether it's conscious or subconscious, we all have a problem with being prejudiced. And God wants to end that. He really wants to end that. He wants to reveal, you know, because, you know, I don't necessarily, in my mind, I was thinking, well, I don't have no problem with black people, you know? But then I was thinking about the Muslim people. Like, do I got a problem with them? And I probably do. But why do I? It's because the media has influenced my thinking about them. Not just the bad things that some Muslims are doing. Um, I know some people probably wouldn't agree with this, but we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the kingdom of God here. Okay, this is our job as the kingdom. Our job is not government. Unless you happen to be a governor. Or God, prejudice resists, it, it resists the gospel. It resists what God wants to do. And that's why he did that. He gave that encounter. So we're prejudiced in our thoughts. We look at people and we judge them in our minds. How many people know that? You look at people and you judge them in your minds. You may treat them right. You might be respectful to them. But in your mind, you have a thought towards them. Now that's where we're prejudiced at. And that's where... We need to get out of our mind. And we need to get some different thoughts going about people. Because you and I can't overcome being prejudiced without getting out of our mind and getting this resurrected thinking going. We can't look at people and see people for who they really are without getting to do it spiritually. It's impossible. You can't do it. You, you, you're going to get hung up. So being prejudiced, even in our mind, creates a wall between people, between individual and groups, preventing the people who have the gospel, preventing them from being able to share God's love and redeeming power with them. That's what it does. See, even if in your thoughts, it still puts a wall there because your thoughts have power. And that's what will keep, that's what keeps division in the country because the church is... Prejudice. We're prejudiced. And it's caused division. And look how the world's trying to solve it. They're killing each other. They're having riots. That's not going to fix it. The only way it's going to be fixed, we had to fix it for us. And then we had to bring the kingdom there. That's what fixed it. And bring God into those situations. But if it ain't fixed in us, we could never have the authority to fix it out there. I don't believe it. I really don't believe this. Let me just look at First uh, Samuel 16 verse 7. You know, this is when the Lord chose David. This is a famous verse here. Um, you know, David had all these brothers. And they were like beautiful men, you know. There was one that was particular. I can't remember his name, but as I heard somebody say one time, he looked like he was built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what I mean? He was a big man, beautiful man. You know, surely this is the Lord's anointing. That's what Samuel said. And Samuel was a prophet, a cedar prophet. Surely this is the guy. This is the guy who's going to be our king. 
God refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's how God looks at people. He don't look at the color of our skin. He don't look at where we came from. He don't look at if we're poor or rich, Canadian, South Carolina, <laughs> African. He don't see that. What he does is he looks at our hearts. And see, we can never see a person's heart if we're stuck in our thinking. It's when God does this thing with us where we get out of our mind and get into his mind and begin to see things with the mind of the Lord. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. And God really has called the church to become the salt and light in the earth that he said we are. And be able to bring light and revelation about situations. We'll never fix the problem with um, you know, the, 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 the radical Islam. We'll never fix it the way they're trying to fix it. It'll never be fixed. It'll just get worse and worse. We'll never be able to fix the immigration thing the way the government's trying to fix it. It'll get worse and worse and worse because God wants something done supernaturally. He, God wants to do something with the people where the people themselves are, have this inward transformation. They become something different they, be, they start thinking different. They start acting different. That's our hope for America. Our hope for America is, is for the church to get into the mind of Christ, for the church to get this transformation going. And so I really want to tell you something. It's time for us not to use the supernatural as a hobby or as entertainment or something that we just really enjoy doing because I enjoy it as much as anybody but I want us to start using it as a weapon, as a tool to solve things and do things. That's really what God's called us to do, to take the gospel into places that you cannot take it otherwise or you, 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 know, you could be in trouble. So this is my plea this morning is, Lord, bring us into dreams, visions, and revelations. Bring us into that. Bring us into spiritual encounters, supernatural encounters that we might even just struggle explaining to people, but something's going to happen. It may, it took Peter a long time uh, from that day on the mountain, but at the end of his life, he was saying, everything began to shift in me that day. That's what he said in 2 Peter. Everything changed. When I heard that voice, everything began to change. And then 10 or 11 years down the road, probably about 11 years down the road, the Lord spoke to him. And I promise you, it was like, oh, yeah, this is what this was all about. That encounter was about stuff like this. I've got to begin to see these people the way you see them, Lord. Amen? So, amen. That was my message today. Thank you, Lord. And I want to say I love, uh, I don't know, I have prejudices, but they're not with black people. They're not with brown people. They're with white people. You know? <laughs> That's where I have the biggest prejudice at. I gotta get rid of. That's what God showed me is. But I want to say, we want this church not to be just a bunch of white people. We want it to be all cultures represented and all races because they all bring something that we need. We need these people. We need them desperately. We don't need, you know. That's why I love to hear preachers from other nations. You know, because they bring a picture of God that I can't get myself. Because they see God, their culture has influenced them in a good way to know God in a good way. And I believe that's really something that God wants to do for all of us. So, 
anybody got any racial bias in them this morning? I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to let the Lord reveal that to you and heal you where you are at. And you can begin to see people's hearts. And you know what? When you begin to see a person's heart, if they're really a bad person, they're going to do bad things, you're going to know it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about how they look. You know, you're going to look and say, that heart's really wicked and it's not a heart I need to be too close to. God will take care of you. Amen. Yeah. Uh, let's just stand up and uh, get the ministry team up here. This morning I really want to encourage you to
revealed to each person in this room their hidden bias that they may not even know that they have towards other people. Towards bald people, short people, tall people, ugly people. Towards people who have affluence. Towards people with brown skin, black skin, white skin. Lord, just reveal those biases to us, Lord. And we'll certainly give them to you, Lord. We'll certainly give them to you. We'll get out of our mind, Lord, so we can receive your mind and begin to see those people the way you see them and love them as you love them, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to do that for all of us today. Every one of us, Lord, just release that wind of the Spirit into this room right now and begin to blow through our minds, Lord, and knock down these walls of resistance, Lord, and these what is and what out and fuck this. Lord, did you blow all that away, Lord? And we begin to see clearly, Lord, how you see, Lord. We begin to connect with you, Lord, and see life the way you see it, Lord God. Lord, we'd be like Jesus. He knew things about people. He knew where to go and where not to go. Lord, Lord, he never had a prejudice against any person. We ask you for his mind and his heart today to flow with us. Like a mighty river, Lord. Like a mighty river, let the heart of Jesus flow in us. Like a mighty river, let the mind of Jesus flow in us, Lord. Let it flow, Lord. Let it flow. Let it flow, Lord. Free us, Lord. Free us, Lord, from being prejudiced people, Lord, and hurtful people. Even if it's only in our minds, Lord, free us today. Help us, like Peter, to get out of his mind so he can get into the mind of Christ. Help us today, Lord. Help us.